Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before the show starts, this is a reminder to all our listeners that the podcast is an open discussion forum and not meant to be used as a source of direct professional help. We at Panic Stations UK would always urge anybody listening to go seek advice from their GP, that is their doctor, a counsellor or a therapist. The podcast is, however, a place for people to share experiences and realise that you are not alone. Due to the subject matter discussed in the shows, some episodes may have explicit language in, I warn listeners as this is meant to be a realistic look at mental health. As such, you may find that some of the guests use some pretty colourful language. I ask all listeners just to freely accept this and to honour the guests that are on the show. It's their journey and it's their freedom of speech. And we at Panic Stations UK would never do anything to discourage that. Many thanks and enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode, episode 17 believe it or not, of Panic Stations UK the Mental Health Podcast. I'm your host as ever, Chris Jones, and I'm here to say hello and I hope you're all okay. Um, last time uh, anybody who listened to the previous episode, you know this is part two coming up of our brilliant interview with uh, Chris Young, who's been walking along spreading his uh, knowledge and his experiences with mental health and he's been doing a fantastic documentary called walk a mile in my shoes he was absolutely fantastic uh, as you could have heard on the previous episode and he's got even more to spill even more about the journey um so it's it's really good really good stuff so i can't wait for you to hear the rest of that uh unfortunately uh this episode's run a little bit late mainly because i had the whole segment the beginning segment all saved ready to go and then something horrible happened as i was uploading or was about to upload the episode um something very near and dear to my heart happened uh it was quite tragic and that was the untimely death of star trek legend leonard nimoy um obviously not many people may or may have been affected by it, but a lot of people are at the same time. Um, and I thought, you know what? There's a man who who did a lot of joy here. So I thought, right, I'm going to re-record the beginning of my uh, my show and uh, then send it back out there. And I think, if anything, uh, it's it's kind of ironic in a um, in a way that this interview is about walking a mile. Uh, in uh, in somebody's shoes and uh, boldly going where 
no one's been before really in spreading information and and help and knowledge about mental health awareness and then obviously sadly as I was about to get it all ready poor Leonard Nimoy passed away at the age of 83 now a lot of you out there be like well okay he had a good life he's 83 he was admired by all and of course he, he has a long lasting legacy a cinematic legacy and a television um legacy and he he will never die of course he'll never die because everybody loved him um who who loved star trek and he seemed like a really really nice bloke um but that's not really the point um it's still really really horrible when somebody passes away and especially an icon um i know if anybody's listened to some of the previous episodes when uh, robin williams uh, sadly committed suicide last year um i did a, a special uh, on him and uh, shared some of my own personal um, moments where I've felt the darkness that pushes pushes you forward to feel that need to uh, to take drastic action. And uh, I think with this one, uh, the reason I'm mentioning it is because he, he had a profound effect on a lot of people and he had a very positive, profound effect on a lot of people. Um, so there was a need, really, for my and it's my podcast, so I'll do what I want. <laughs> uh, but uh, but there was a need. There's certainly a need uh, to to I don't know acknowledge acknowledge the passing of a very very nice man um, who gave a lot of years of entertainment and joy to a lot of people and a lot of hope. Um, you look at the sort of impact Star Trek has had culturally uh, across the across the planet. And, you know, people can say, oh, yeah, nerds live long and prosper and all that kind of malarkey and have a go about it. Um, Unfortunately, what they don't realise is uh, little things that they love so dearly in their lives have been based on so many things from Star Trek. Um, You can complain all you want and say, oh, it's nerdy, but every day you'll be on your telephone, and I'm telling you now, those mobile phones, the look of them, uh, the design, the aesthetic, uh, what they are capable of being able to do, hate to tell you, Star Trek. Stuff like, stuff like uh, you know, the, the fact we have um, machines that can scan our bodies now. Now, I'm telling you now, somebody out there, whoever designed those machines, that, that kind of uh, look throughout our bodies i think um um mri machines um those machines are blatantly been have been blatantly designed um because somebody out there watched star trek and went wow wouldn't it be great if we could do these things like that bones does uh when he scans somebody and and scanners and computers and the look of things uh i'm sorry You've got to give a lot of credit. Culturally, uh, the Star Trek series was a massive phenomenon, and it um, phenomenon, should I say? Uh, and they've they've impacted a lot of stuff. So, yes, I'm going to be acknowledging Leonard Nimoy's sad passing, and on top of that as well, the joy, the idea, the hope that Star Trek has brought to a lot of people, and the ideas behind it all. The fact that there's no discrimination, uh, the fact that people are assessed and checked and looked after, and it's nothing to do about money or politics. It's all about uh, going forward and and reaching out and becoming culturally diverse and enjoying what's out there rather than squabbling over what we have, actually expanding and, and accepting things, which is... 
great. It's a great idea. Um, and yeah, it's really, really, really sad uh, knowing that uh, Mr. Nimoy has passed away and he had a great impact on a lot of my childhood, not for just from Star Trek, but from things like, and this is me being uber nerdy now, uh, Transformers the movie when he voiced Galvatron um, to the fantastic efforts he did in the film Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the remake of that back in the 70s. That was a fantastic and terrifying, a terrifying version of it. It was brilliant. He's fantastic in that. The hilarity he brought whenever he guest starred on The Simpsons or Futurama. Um, the guy was really cool. And uh, for that, that alone, uh, we at Panic Stations UK salute you, Mr. Nimoy. And uh, wherever you have boldly gone, I hope uh, you are still spreading that uh, word of living long and prosper. So, Mr. Nimoy, live long and prosper. We will all miss you. You may know him as John Cross from the podcast from the After Movie Diner. Or you may not know him at all. But now you can know him as Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures with the release of his new album, Catch Up or Don't See If I Care. Available now on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify and wherever music is found. A full 16 new folk blues and rock tracks from this bearded singer-songwriter. Find us on Facebook, Twitter and at aftermoviediner.com. For links to the album and to learn more, go to miscplumbingfixtures.blogspot.com or miscplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com. It's okay. Well, last time we uh, we left off with the Chris Young interview, he was just about starting his his uh, sort of tour and starting to walk around. You're going to enjoy the rest of it, so I'm not going to carry on talking. I'm going to let you listen to the rest of it. Uh, this is Mr. Chris Young with his. Uh, his discussion with myself on walking a mile in his shoes. Enjoy. She is just one. She believes in me, and and two, she's there for me. Um, and you know, w- without that, as I say, I, I couldn't have uh, done anything. So I had the had the psychotherapy, uh, and we got to a point where we thought, right, you've got dissociation. Um, <laughs> almost sounds like here's what you've won. Um, <laughs> here's but, what you could was, have had. <laughs> <laughs> you could have had the speedboat. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, de- I decided. Right, it's time for me to move on. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, the, I, we were two years into it, and I thought, right, let's gradually start uh, moving away. So, the idea of the walk came from that. And the thing I've written down is: uh, once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. Very Sherlock Holmes. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> it, completely uh, Sherlock Holmes. And that was it. I thought, 
What I'd done was I'd gone back and I thought to myself, I can't do social work. My children aren't overly keen on seeing me. I'm estranged from my ex-wife who uh, wanted to win and has won regarding the children. Uh, So that gave me an element of freedom. Uh, um, I always write to them, email them, in touch with them in any way I can. But uh, currently they don't want that contact with me which gave me that freedom so i thought what what did i want to be before i wanted to be a social worker and i'd always wanted to be a writer i'd always loved writing i i used to always love standing in, up in front of people talking uh when i was in uh primary school uh i'd go and stand in front of the school make up a story Teachers love it. Kids would love it. Oh, actually, I think I think the teachers thought they could get some marking done or something. I don't know what they were doing, but <laughs> but I was happy to stand in front of people and and talk. Uh, and I thought, well, these these things I like, and I like walking. Uh, and the other thing was, I knew that stigma was still rife uh, with mental health. Mm-hmm. I'll just hop back to the woman who I met at the. Um, was it the the parents' evening? Parents' evening. Yeah. Uh, she said, so was it, was it the depression, Chris? And I said, no, I've got borderline personality disorder. You know, munches the scream. Oh yeah. That's that, that was her (laughs) hands to face. Uh, great. great, Good. I'll see you some other time, Chris. Cheers. I've got to go and hoover the cat or, or uh, something. Uh, and, And she vanished. And the interesting thing is she was a mental health officer, which is the equivalent of uh, an approved social worker down here who, who works with people with mental health problems. So, you know, that, that was her. And that was, uh, so I thought, you know, there's work to be done here. Mm. So I, I thought what a great metaphor it would be to walk around the edge of the UK because that's where people with mental health problems feel they are. They feel on the edge. It's quite a grandiose metaphor, but uh, so that, that's, that's what I decided to do. Um, a couple of friends took me aside, uh, apart from you know, everybody has implied that I'm crazy, crazy for that thought. And uh, they t- but they took me aside and, and said, you're crazy, but you know, we're right behind you. Uh, read this book by Satish Kumar. Now, Satish Kumar is a, a Jain monk who went on a peace march during the 1960s. Um, and he went to his, his guru and said, right, I'm going to go on a peace march. I'm going to go to all the nuclear nations and I'm going to say that, that peace is the way ahead and nuclear arms are stupid. So the, his guru said, right, are you taking lots of money with you? And he said, yeah, yeah, listen, don't worry about me, I'll be fine. He said, and you got lots of nice hotels to stay in. He said, yeah, yeah, really, I'm going to be okay. He said, well, you can forget all that. You're going to be taking no money with you. He said, because if you take money with you, you won't have the motivation to speak to people at the end of the day. You won't have the motivation to spread your message. You, and the only people that you'll be meeting are hoteliers. Mm. So I thought if this guy could go walk from India into Pakistan expecting hospitality from 
strangers walk from India to Pakistan when the two countries were at war and not get killed to death. I thought, I can, I can do this around the UK. So uh, all that time ago, I left uh, the Cramond Brig Inn in uh, Edinburgh with what I believed was no money. Ella was there to see me off uh, with, <laughs> yeah. with a bunch of friends. And uh, she, uh, she got one of my friends to take me outside while she slipped five pounds into my first aid kit. That five pounds is still there today. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've not dipped into that. So, so my, it was my belief that, that people would look after me, that this was the right thing to do. And that I had faith in people, that, that, that people are fabulous, they're kind, they're trusting and trustworthy. And although a lot of people, I think, share that belief, they, they, I think they find that particular leap quite, quite a, a difficult one to, to make. Um, so I walked off with a couple of friends initially, and they, they saw me as far as the, the fourth road bridge, which uh, is very similar to the Golden Gate Bridge, just only more Scottish. <laughs> uh, <coughs> it's wearing a kilt or something. Oh yeah, I was wearing a kilt at the time. Yeah, uh, in fact, I wore a kilt. Uh, on and off. I, I wear a kilt as I as I go around. Mm. Uh, and suddenly, I was aware I was alone, which was kind of weird. But I still had this faith uh, that that people would be fabulous. So I walked across the bridge, uh, which is kind of nerve wracking because it was the first time I remembered walking across the bridge. Apparently, I'd walked across the bridge before, had no recollection of that at all. Oh. But I walked across the bridge, and it's nerve-wracking because the, the bridge moves. It, it's, uh, when heavy vehicles go over it, it, it rocks. A suspension bridge. It is a suspension bridge. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's like nerve-wracking. The wind was blowing very hard. I got across the bridge, and uh, this bus stopped next to me. And the woman... Uh, got off the bus and uh, she looked at me and I'm carrying this this rucksack which is roughly the same weight as myself I'm exaggerating uh, but it was a big rucksack and uh, what was it I think it was 35 kilos we, we finally discovered uh, and she looked at me and went what on earth are you doing <laughs> so I told her and I suddenly realised this is the first time I'd told anybody that wasn't a friend that this is what I'm doing oh wow how did that go that's <laughs> well, I babbled. <laughs> I, went, I sort of leapt from bit to bit, and then she went, she went, oh, right, okay, I've got you. Yeah, yeah. She said, right, you can't stay with me because uh, my husband's not at home, and, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I want to keep safe, basically, yeah. is what she was saying. She said, but here's £10. Uh, there's a restaurant down in the village there. Go down there and, and get yourself some tea. And I went, Okay, <laughs> so, wow. I took the, so I took the ten pounds from this gratuitously kind woman, and went down to the village. And I, I told my story again to the people in this restaurant, uh, some of whom looked at me as if I was crazy. And one in the corner, a voice pipes up, and she goes, "Keep your money. I'm going to buy you dinner. I'll get you a pint as well, and I'm going to tell you my story." And that's what she did. She told me her story. I suddenly realised that that it wasn't just about me going around highlighting the experience of people with mental health problems. It was also 
I, I was going to be this person that people could share their stories with, that they could, um, very often it's very difficult to talk to those who are very close to you about, you know, the, the hard stuff, but talking to a perfect stranger is a lot easier. And, and that, that's happened time and time again. So she bought me my, my uh, dinner and uh, they all got together and said, right, you, you, you can't camp in the town because Gordon Brown lives here and uh, his security is pretty tight at the moment. So if you just go around the corner, you'll be fine. Just put your tent up around there. So that's what I did. Um, and so that, that first day was, this is working, you know, my faith, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a religious man, but I, you know, I've become, I think, spiritual and a bit of a tree hugger on my way as well. You know, I was thinking this, this is working. Um, and the following day I met up with Lou. Now Lou is a woman who turns out she was doing a, a, a walk for the MS Society. Transpires she has MS herself. Uh, she's a larger than life person. She's fabulous. Um, and she said to me, we, we met and, uh, she told me what she was doing. I told her what I was doing. And she, she said to me, listen, if you've got nowhere to stay at the end of the day, give us a ring. You can come back to ours. We'll make you dinner. You can have a shower. And then we'll drop you back on exactly where we picked you up from. How does that sound? <laughs> okay, that sounds okay. And all the time, I'm, I've got this kind of British notion of Britishness at the back of my head. You know, I don't want to be any bother. <laughs> 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 and, and, and all the time, you know, I want to be a bother. I'm, this is what I'm doing. I'm being a bother. Uh, and and you know, the other thing that was ringing in my mind was there'd been a, recently been a program on Radio Force, and it, it said how uh, own that 95% of people wouldn't knowingly invite somebody with a mental health problem into their home, and and that was sort of playing at the back of my mind. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, you know. This has happened immediately, and, and this woman has invited me into her home. She had a child and a partner, a young child, and I'm thinking, you know, what what kind of trust must she have in herself, her own judgment? Uh, and I, you know, I said to her, you know, what on earth made you invite me in? And she said, well, I, I trust my own judgment. Yeah. And and also, she put on Facebook, this is kilted, Chris. Uh, if if we're murdered in the night, this is the guy what done it. <laughs> <laughs> but that first day, you know, it was perfect. Yeah, because uh, wow, that's so, amazing. <laughs> uh, and she knew people who knew people who knew people who knew people, and we gradually uh, worked our way up uh, up the east coast of Scotland, and uh, didn't really look back. Um, I, I, I kind of deluded myself into thinking, "Hey, I'm cured." Look at this! Just walking has 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 cured me. Uh, but I got as far as a place called Stonehaven, mm. and I went mental, uh, and yeah, everything just fell apart in my head. And uh, I think Ella came up to see me at that point, and we, she said, "Right, we'll we'll, we'll stay in a bed and breakfast for a bit and see, you know, if you if you rally round, and then we can stick you back." And I, I think I stayed out at that point. But there have been times when I've gone crazy on the road and she's come and got me and driven me back. She lives in Warwickshire. So, you know, 
it's it's a long it's a long road. So uh, she uh, she she's come and picked me up and rescued me uh, uh, a, a number of times. So right from that that day, you know, it, it, it has been a success. It is it's been great, and 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 it's about reminding myself that I, I need to accept my condition. Uh, that it is it doesn't as I say it doesn't doesn't define me. It curtails me. Uh, but there's an awful lot of you know. Yeah, I, I, I could. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you um, a story that kind of sums up the the whole walk a mile thing for me. Mm. Um, I was uh, approaching uh, a village near Inverness. It was called uh, Crimmond. Uh, I was about eight miles from it, and. Uh, this car drew up next to me and this guy winds down the window and says, I'm going to give you a lift. And I said, uh, no, you're not. And I told him what I was about. And he went, oh, okay. He said, I live in Crimmond. I'll, I'll maybe see you there. I said, oh, okay, that'd be, that'd be great. I'm thinking, I'm going to be there in three hours. You know, it's, so, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously going to have to be a patient person. Mm-hmm. So I got to Crimmond. Crimmond is a very small village. And he was standing on the postage stamp of of the village green, and he was standing there with a big grin on his face, saying, "So, so what do you do now?" I said, "Well, uh, well, sometimes uh, I I put my tent up because in Scotland you've got the right to roam, which is a wonderful law. Basically, there's there's no law of trespass in Scotland; um, it's only criminal damage. So you can basically put your tent up anywhere as long as you don't damage stuff." Wow, that's so, really, really quite useful to know. It's it's a great law. I, I love it a bit. And you can walk anywhere as long as you don't damage stuff. Um, you can tell English people who've moved up to Scotland because they put no trespassing on their gates. So, you know, that makes me feel obliged to just walk through their gates. And <laughs> <laughs> In your and see, face. See what happens. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I got to Crimmond and there's this guy standing. So what do you do now? And I said, sometimes I put my tent up. Sometimes I... Uh, if I've got months, if I've had donations, I'll, I'll have a bed and breakfast. Sometimes I stay over in people's houses because, you know, by this point I had around about a thousand people following me on the interweb. Wow. And uh, so he, he said, well, come back to my house. I, you, you can't stay in my house because it's tiny. He said, but you can, um, you can put your tent up in my garden and I'll make you tea. How does that sound? I said, that sounds absolutely lovely. Thank you very much. So went to his house, fish fingers and chips for my tea. Uh, I hadn't seen a telly for a while, so I was strangely drawn to the the box of moving pictures in the corner. I remember, <laughs> and uh, and then finally went off to my my tent, went off to bed. Half past seven in the morning, there's a little knock on the tent, and this chap comes. He said, "I've made you tea and toast. I've got to go to work now, but I'll uh, uh, good luck with the rest of it." Said, Thanks very much. So it's absolute hit and run kindness. So I thought that that's lovely, and then. As I was looking outside my tent, because I put my tent up in the dark, as I looked outside my tent, I suddenly realised that I wasn't in his garden. I realised that I was in, in Scotland, they have things called communal drying greens, which basically is where people hang their washing up. You know, so there's a community will hang their washing up in a big green. So nobody has a, a single garden. It's a shared garden. So I realised I was nowhere near his back door. I was actually five feet away from his neighbour's back door. 
So I manfully thought, shit, I need to get out of here. Um, thinking, you know, what would somebody think if they opened your door <laughs> and you find somebody? I, and I don't look unlike a bouncer. I do look like a bouncer. <laughs> and wearing a kilt, I look like a bouncer in a skirt. So, <laughs> so I, I didn't want somebody to have that that kind of surprise so yeah. i started sort of faffing about and i'm thinking shit i need to get out of here and with that this woman in her mid-60s opens a door so i did what any man would do in the situation i started to babble and i i, I said look i'm really sorry kenny said it'd be okay for me to camp here i'm gonna be this tent can be away in seconds i'll be away I, like i've never been here uh, and she said, what, what are you, sorry, what are you talking about? I said, Kenny, you're next to neighbor. He said it'd be okay, but you know, I understand. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. He said, listen, I'm not interested in any of that. I've run you a bath. I was wondering if you wanted any bubbles in it. Oh, and I went, wow. Bubbles would be nice. <laughs> that <laughs> so, is brilliant. So this woman who, who had no idea who I was had run me a bath. So I had this bath, and I'm lying in this bath thinking, this is odd. <laughs> and I went through, and we, we started chatting, and she was obviously she was a delight. And uh, she she told me that she'd been a carer for a friend of hers who who died uh, about two weeks prior to, to me meeting her. And um, she, she said, so, you know, it was a very hard time. So I'm pretty much through caring for folk now. I'm going to go and get myself a job in Tesco's or something. I, I had to laugh. I, sorry, you're, you're saying you're, you're through caring for folk. You've just run a bath for a stranger. You know, I tried to imagine what that, what kind of scenario would have panned out had I done that anywhere else in the world. You know, what would you do if, if say, somebody you didn't know set the tent up in your garden five feet away from your back door? Would your first urge be, I'm going to run this man a bath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. My first urge would be, like, mate, appreciate you having a nap, but uh, get out of my garden. <laughs> Betty, get the gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mildred, my blunderbuss. <laughs> yes. that, that's the kind of image that, that's what I had. Is... <clears throat> so, you know, that's... Uh, that That kind of sums up you know, this, this kind of gratuitous generosity and kindness that, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's gone on. Um, as I've been going, I know this is a, a, a leap in a, in a different direction, is uh, a lot of people that, that I speak to on the internet, uh, they have a, a zero-tolerance approach to... Uh, politically incorrect language. Uh. Um, they, if if somebody says something that's untoward, they're blocked, they're muted, whatever. Um, it always takes me back to a time when I when I was doing my masters in social work, and uh, we spent a whole afternoon talking about whether it we when describing racism, it should be racialism or racism, or whether we should be talking about minority ethnic groups or people from an ethnic minority. And at the same time, we were aware that Liverpool University had stopped, stopped saying 
black coffee, you're only allowed to say coffee with milk. So these are the semantics that people get tied up in. Uh, and, and it's, you know, a lot of it is absolute, in my opinion, nonsense. So when somebody meets me on the road and says, you know, <laughs> I hope you don't mind, but I think you're crazy. <laughs> uh, or they'll say something like, God, you know, you, you've been out on the road so long, you'll be turning into one of them because, you know, sometimes they'll think that I'm I'm doing this for people with mental health problems and not just uh, and that I'm not one of that group. Um, and it comes as a surprise to a lot of people when I say, you know, sorry, I am one of them. Uh, I don't know what you're expecting. Are you expecting a, a little trap door in my forehead to open and a cuckoo to come out? <laughs> and they say, but, but, but you don't look like one. You take off you a cap and you've got like a pinhead or something <laughs> from like the old yeah, Freaks so, film. <laughs> but, you say, but, but you don't look like one. And you say, well, what, what's, what does one look like? I say, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I, I wear a utility kilt. So it's not, a, it's, it's, it's a day-to-day kilt. So it's a kilt with pockets and, mm. uh, and I, I, now I tow a uh, bright yellow trailer, you know, and I'll say to them, I'm doing my best to look like one. <laughs> <laughs> but people, you know, it, it, it's a real eye opener for folk um, because, because the only information that they have, if say, if you don't know somebody who's had a mental health problem or, you know, a mental malady or, yeah, you know, I, I don't, like I say, I don't care what language is used. Um, but, but, but they, they don't know, um, what uh, about it. Their, their only frame of reference is, uh, is the news is, uh, soaps, uh, newspapers, which by and large aren't that charitable towards your, uh, your wandering loons. Oh no, definitely not. <clears throat> so, you know, it, it only makes a story say when, you know, lunatic killed my dog, at my wife, you know, stabbed whoever. There's no kind of ongoing rhetoric about how people with mental health problems are their own biggest threat. They, they're more in danger to, them, to themselves than to, to anybody else. But there's, there's no thought of that. You know, people aren't aware that one in four of us will experience some kind of mental malady in our lives. That's 15, that's over 15 million people in the UK, 15 million people. And yet we, we somehow are unable to, to, to talk about this, or we find this uh, a very difficult thing to talk about. And, and I think this is a, a real sort of sign of the times because, you know, we, even now we're thinking, oh, well, we're talking about it a whole lot more and, uh, you know, people are, uh, are being more open about it. Indulge yourself in looking at a little bit of Shakespeare. You know, in 1520-something, he knew all about mental illness. They knew all about mental illness. It's just that we forgot to remember. Mm. We, we, we decided that, that, that for some reason... That, that some that mental maladies are something that that have a judgment you know if you've got a broken leg you've got a broken leg you should be limping but but somehow if you're not in control of your mind in, in a way that people feel you should be then 
they feel they can judge you. They they feel they can say, you know, you should pull yourself together. You should be able to, you should be able to cope. Have you have you tried not being crazy? Oh, uh, God. <laughs> you know, the, 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 people come up with most, the, the the wildest things. Have you tried turning to God? Yeah. Um, On a side note, what you sorry, so to yeah. tangent for self, um, you've just reminded me. Uh, yeah. When I was, I, I signed off work a couple of years ago, sure. and uh, uh, with with depression and anxiety. Weirdly enough, that we're yeah. talking about this because uh, that's that's the thing that I've suffered from the most. M- majority yeah, have yeah. an anxiety issue, but I, I, when I do have my drops, um, it's it it can lead to depression. It can put sure. it in, depending on the triggers that have ignited the issue itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what what I find amusing about in a really sinister, sinister way, I suppose. I guess is the only way I can say it is when I've when I've had people judge, and I I know fully well I've been judged. Yeah. I've been judged by people because um, I found out when I've come back from work, people have told me, or I found out from one way or another yeah. uh, what what's been said behind my back in in the workplace. And what's always made me kind of laugh is some of the people. That have turned around and gone. He is absolutely fucking nuts. What the fuck is his problem? Mm-hmm. And all this kind of stuff. And what? Why? You know, he's he's putting it on. No, he's fine. Ooh, ooh, look at me! I'm having a panic attack and all this kind of crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's just, he's just, he's just nuts, and he's he's incapable of doing things. He's obviously just stupid and things like that. And I'm kind of like, I've got letters after my name for a reason because <laughs> I went out decided to get an education for myself yeah, yeah. and um, and you spend your weekends going out on the lash yeah, looking yeah. Uh, doing the most obscene things and yeah, I'm like yeah. what and I'm the mad one what yeah. well you've got the label exactly yeah, it's yeah. all about the stigma yeah you've got a, a label now, now, the, the interesting thing is you know and, and this is a discussion I've got into with a number of folk is like they say well we can't see it. It's an invisible illness. And it was something I fell for for quite some time. And then I thought, hold on a second. Cancer's an in- invisible illness. Bang on the nails, about to say that. <laughs> and people don't get judged for that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it, it, it's just a matter of just gently, you know, reiterating points to, to people, talking to people. You know, I will happily talk to anybody. And, and it's not about the language for me. Um, uh, and I think that <clears throat> that's an important point because I think as a group of people, we can take offence quickly because we expect stigma. Yeah. Uh, we've grown up in a society where there is stigma and we have this wonderful thing, uh, again, something that I didn't really fully consider. We have self-stigma. Because we've grown up in a society that has stigma, why would we... Uh, be immune to to feeling stigma against ourselves. Mm. So we also feel stigma against ourselves. So for me, it's it's not about the language. Um, I, I I've I've done uh, a number of talks, and and part of the talk, <clears throat> I'll get people to come up with names for people with mental health problems, and, and they'll come up with nice politically correct stuff. And then I'll say, so what about the, the less politically correct stuff? You know, let's hear a bit of that. Now, I, I always set up a situation where I've got some stooges in the audience. So, you know, we've got your fucking loony, your windy liquor, your spaz, 
all these kind of things flying at me, flying at me. And people are writhing with discomfort, writhing. And so I, I, I give them time to come up with... There's actually a website. I can't remember where it is, but it has all the loony insults that you could possibly think of on it. Um, uh, I'll say to people, so how, how do you think that made me feel? And they'll, they'll say, well, you must have felt incredibly uncomfortable, embarrassed, uh, stigmatized. Uh, and I've said, no, no, I feel none of those things because I, I, I'm not having it. What, what I'm interested in is the, are the attitudes underlying it. Very often people will be clumsy with language, and that's fine. And you talk to them and you, you can say to them, well, you know, I'm not a borderline. I'm somebody with borderline personality disorder. Because, you know, it, it's a bit like saying somebody's got flu. You'd say, you're a flu. Or you, <laughs> you're not. You're somebody yeah. with flu. You're not a depressive. You're somebody with depression. You know, it's part of you. It isn't you. Um, so... But it's, it's, it's creating that dialogue and, and, and making it okay for people to, 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 to ask and, you know, work the ways around it. Wow. I just, we're going to take a, br- a brief break. Okay. Put your teeth back in. A brief break. Um, sure. Uh, from, from your story. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. All because right. Because as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is so, there's so much stuff. This is amazing. I just, <laughs> it's such an inspirational story. It's, it's, there's so much in this. It's incredible. Um, I can't thank you enough for being, you know. No worries. Coming no worries, on the no. show. I just. I, uh, I'm, I, I like whoring about. It, no, it trust me, it's it's all good. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'll probably break this uh, episode up just before we get to your first, your your um, your first bit where you say about heading off, uh, because this, as I say, we can make a couple of shows of this quite easily. Sure, sure. Um, but a few questions, right? Uh, one, one, one thing that's that's been like really niggling at me. I really want to yeah, ask which. Sure. Um, when, when obviously with all the social work that you were doing, and then you you, you left, and, yeah. and obviously the things that happened that led to you being homeless, and obviously that's put you on this path, with all of this this stuff that's gone on, and the disassociation where yeah. where where you you're looking at things from the outside in, I mean, where the hell have you got your strength from? I had a brilliant childhood. Um, uh, I had a mum that didn't say no. <laughs> she was, uh, and as I say, you know, me and my two brothers thought we all thought we were the favourites, um, and I, and I think that provided me with uh, an incredible bedrock. You know, in amongst it all, I think had I been abused right from the word. Yeah, the year zero. This would be a very difficult, different conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I don't know what what the situation would be, but but I had a mum who loved me, I had a dad who loved me, and I, so I had this this good ten eleven years of solidness of 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 love. I think uh, my my strength comes through other people as well. I mean, Ella is just out of this world. I mean, we were quite early on in our relationship when 
I uttered the, fa- the fateful words. Um, I'm going to go and walk around the edge of the UK now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that all right? <laughs> and you can see her going, yeah, I thought I was going to see a bit more of you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been amazing. I mean, since we met, it's been absolutely incredible. Have you, did yeah. you feel the same? Yeah. So, well, so I'm going to go and walk the edge of uh, yeah. the country. See you later. Uh, <laughs> so uh yeah the, there was the strength from that that and, and then it was just having different people it, the, the psychotherapy was incredible I, I i wouldn't say i was dismantled just to be built up again but <clears throat> imagine this is the way i think of it and, and, and whether the, the, this is the case or not this is the way i think of it is imagine <clears throat> that you're a lego model and you go into psychotherapy and the Lego model just gets dismantled into all its little little bricks and gets chucked up in the air. And then gradually over two years, those bits come down into a very similar but different creature uh, that gives gave me an awful lot of strength um, and a lot of belief in, in myself. And, and going back to the those early years and thinking that's who I was. That's what I was. I, you know, I, I was this, this outgoing, um, you know, extrovert person before all this, this happened. Uh, and, and that person is still in me that, that person is still me. Um, so, you know, the strength comes from a lot of different places. Also, you know, they talk about the positives and the negatives of uh, social media. Uh, I find social media fantastic. I think it's a, it's a great thing because people follow me on Facebook. They follow me on Twitter. Uh, they follow my um, just my my blog. Some people I just email uh, what I've written. Some people phone me. <coughs> so there's there's a lot of people out there who who I feel are rooting for me. I've got Johanna, the uh, filmmaker. Yeah. You know, uh, before I went off on on my walk, um, I, I, I <laughs> actually there's a story in that itself. I'd um, reached almost rock bottom, I think, when I was seeing my psychiatrist, and I. First of all, you know, I've got a degree in psychology and I should have known that, you know, there, there were therapies around for borderline personality disorder. But at the time, I felt I was doomed. I felt there was no cure. That was me. I'd had it. Uh, and, you know, we were just going through the motions of me, you know, going for psychotherapy because that wasn't going to work. Nothing was going to help. Um, and... I uh, I think when anybody gets any kind of condition, uh, they'll read their books. And strangely, there's about half a page somewhere about borderline personality disorder in any of the psychology books I had. Uh, you look on the internet and you find a lot of people saying that their partner has personality borderline personality disorder and they could quite happily kill them. Um, but... <clears throat> 
so I got to this point and I found out there was a group in Edinburgh meeting up regularly, monthly, uh, with borderline personality disorder. And they were just meeting up for a chat, a social. It wasn't to sit around going, I've got borderline personality disorder. Isn't it terrible? I'm doomed. It was a, it was a social group. Um, so I said to my psychiatrist that I'd found this group. And I said, and I was told her that I was thinking about meeting up with them. He said, don't meet up with them. Don't meet up with them. They're, they're very, very sick people. And I'm thinking, uh, but I'm a very sick people according to you then. So yeah. I shouldn't be meeting up with people that are like me. So, of course, I met up with these people. Um, and uh, we got on like a house of fire. Of course, they, don't, they didn't look like one either. They, uh, you know, they were just, just people. Uh, and we, so I, from that, I started doing some presentations and Johanna, um, did some sound work with me, uh, on an, another film that she did. And, uh, she said, um, would it be okay if I followed you around the edge of the UK on and off? Uh, <clears throat> I think the longest we've ever sustained each other is probably about a week or so. Uh, after that, I think we want to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. she's going just one more shot just one more shot I'll give you one more shot <laughs> um, yes what are you thinking now Chris no, leave me alone um, so <laughs> yeah we but by and large we work together very well and I think first of all when when she was walking with me she she just wanted to get as much information as possible but then she realized that the walk was going to take a lot longer and she's been a whole lot more relaxed about it. So she's filmed me walking. She's filmed me doing talks. She's filmed me doing talks and walking. Uh, so we've, we've got a whole bunch of stuff there. I, I dread to think how many hours of, of filming we've done. So uh, <clears throat> so that gives me strength as well. Uh, and, and, you know, the friendship that's blossomed over the year, years with uh, Johanna has been fantastic. The faith that people have in me as well is is incredible so you know there, there are people i've met in scotland saying well i live in devon um so when you come down to devon you know we'll, we'll see you there so they've got faith that i'm going to continue this journey and and uh, you know get there and uh, you know continue spreading the the word um one thing that gave me strength uh if not terror at the time um like a guy called uh, Graham Donohoe from The Sun uh, got in touch. And he said, uh, I'd like to join you for a day and a night. I went, uh, really? He said, yeah, I'd like to like to walk with you. Um, There's got to be trepidation there when they say, I'm thinking, the this, sun. This, this is shaking hands with the devil. Mm. Uh, I thought, fuck it. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, and we met in Largs, which is the west coast of Scotland. And a more politically correct person you couldn't meet. He was lovely. He was chatty. He was friendly. Uh, he did a sort of fly in the wall documentary bit where uh, I did my usual just... I talked to everybody. And uh, I went into a pub. I had, I had some money that had been donated to me. And I told this woman in the pub that I'd had money donated. I said, but, you know, uh, I, I tried to save that money because who knows what will happen further down the line. And she said, 
right, drinks are on me and I'm going to make you food. You must be starving. And the guy from The Sun is just sitting in the corner with his mouth open going. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, he said, does this happen all the time? I said, yeah, there's a daily occurrence. You know, people fall over themselves to help. One of the interesting things was the, the photographer who joined us, <clears throat> we, were, we were talking about whether or not um, we whether or not uh, I should put my phone number on the, on this double page spread in the sun that I got. And it, I was saying, well, I, I quite like the idea of having my phone number here yeah, because I like the idea of anybody being able to contact me. And the, the uh, photographer said, no, you don't want to put your, your, your phone number there. You, you, you'll get phone calls from nutters. And I looked at him and went, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> And he had, yeah, so as you do, eh? That's amazing. <coughs> but, so uh, yeah. from the shadow, from the back of that, would that did you get um, did you get a lot of response from that? Uh, I got four emails, <laughs> and I think maybe five people chasing me on the road to to give me stuff. That's brilliant. Uh, but but other than that, no, uh, it, it was. It was the Scottish Sun, so I imagine it's, 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 a, it's a smaller readership, but it's still hundreds of thousands of people would have read this. So it was interesting to get nothing off the back of this. And it, it was interesting because a friend of mine, Derek, who's, who's been my friend throughout, he's, he's been this incredible stalwart all the way through. Um, he was saying, this is it, you know, this, this, you know things are going to really take off here. And they didn't. They, they carried on the way they were and the way they were to be fair is perfectly okay you know it's um it, it's 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 brilliant that is um, absolutely incredible isn't it the one of one of the things that 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 happened on on the journey and this this goes into self stigma a little bit is up in cromarty uh cromarty is on the black isle it's neither black or an isle <laughs> yes, I'd just like to clarify that. It's just north of Inverness. Uh, and I was on it, and I, and I met one person, then I met lots of other people. Um, <clears throat> I've got to say, you know, it, it's still astounding just how open and generous people are. So <clears throat> uh, this, this person started following me on the internet, and they'd said, well, you must come and stay with us. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. Don't expect me hit there tomorrow, but I'll be there soon enough. And um, so I was, I was nearing the house. I was about two miles away, and I got this text saying, listen, I'm not going to be in the house when, when you get there. Um, if you're wearing a hat, take that off. The key's under the mat. Take the hat off because the, the dog's frightened of men wearing hats. And I'm thinking... Sorry, you, you, this person you've never met in your whole life, you're opening your doors to them and just letting them have the free reign of your house. And they're saying, yeah, to, help yourself to, to anything that's there. I was just gobsmacked, you know, just, wow. uh, you know, it's just uh, uh, amazing. Um, but this, this particular person, the, the, uh, her husband has this encyclopedic knowledge of, you know how you come across people who've got a lot of knowledge about a little knowledge about lots of things. Well, he has a lot of knowledge about lots of stuff. <laughs> and, and he spent a long time telling me what an Osprey looked like. And they're, they're 
They're, That's a bird well, of prey, isn't it? It is. It's a, it, it, they call it a sea eagle. Um, and he, and he, he went into great detail. And, and, I, and I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know, I'm never going to see one of these. They're, they're, as, they're as rare as hen's teeth. You know, uh, um, thanks for the information. So uh, we, we chatted away. I, they gave me the bedroom and uh, that, you know, later on in the evening, I, I'm on the phone to Ella. I speak to Ella three times a day because that seems to be a good checkpoint to see if yeah. I'm nuts because I, I can. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so she she's able to tell. Anyway, so I was chatting to her, really upbeat, very happy that I had this place to stay, and uh, you know that, that Stuart had told me you know exactly what an Osprey looked like, but I don't imagine why he's told me what an Osprey. Looked. Fucking hell! And suddenly there's this Osprey. Dives down, catches a fish with his feet, then flies off. And Ella's going, "What's happened? What's happened?" I'm going, "I've just seen an osprey." What? <laughs> and and this this thing had just just happened right in front of me. So there was a, just this wonderful feeling. Anyway, back to the Black Isle. I was on yes. the Black Isle, and um, I, I don't think I've told you uh, regarding map reading. Uh, I make a very good social worker. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, so I'd looked into what I thought were tide times for that particular day. It turned out I'd been looking at tide times for some other month, some other year. God knows what I was looking at. Uh, so I was walking along the, this coastal path, and I reached the end of this path. So I'd walked about six or seven miles, only to find that the tide had come in and there was nowhere else for me to go. Uh, <clears throat> this is around a place called Four Troes in uh, on the Black Isle. So I thought, shit. Uh, I tried a bit of paddling, and that was stupid. And then up to my left, I saw this ravine. So in the back of my mind, I've got the Indiana Jones music playing. <laughs> uh, as I climb up this ravine, hanging from vines and God knows what else, with this 35-pound rucksack, 35 kilo rucksack on my back gradually pulled my way up to a point where i got completely stuck i couldn't go up couldn't go down i thought shit this i and i you know in my mind i'm thinking god i'm gonna appear on breakfast television for all the wrong reasons you (laughs) stupid man who looks like a bouncer in a skirt has been found hanging from a bloody tree on a cliff somewhere so so i i I worked my way back down and uh, i I sulked a lot and I, I walked back to a campsite. I, I still had a contact in, uh, in, on the Black Isle. So I was going to give her a ring and say, <laughs> you know how you thought you got rid of me yesterday? Well, <laughs> I'm back. <clears throat> but, but I got back to this, this campsite and I looked at my legs and I had around about 100, 200 ticks on my legs. Oh my god! And they're all just tucking in. So immediately, I, I look on. I had some notion of Lyme's disease, and I thought that that's that's a thing, and it's caused by ticks. I know it is. So I, I went on the internet, and it said yeah, uh, Lyme's disease very rare. Um, don't worry about it. Basically, you know, there's there's only a few incidences of, of it in Scotland. So I. I, I was also aware that there's a certain way to take off ticks. Uh, some people say you you use a cigarette end. Some people say you 
paint them with uh, nail varnish. Some people say you need to twist them a certain way. <coughs> Just for the record, the only way to take ticks off is with a proper set of tick tweezers and do it very gently. Right, but this time I was just scraping them off my legs, sitting there going, fucking bastards, you fucking bastards. And what happened was I'd walked along th through some grass where some deer had been, and that's where ticks hang out. And they just sort of dived on and thought, you know, there's a free lunch. So I'm going, bastard, bastard, fucking bastard. And this... Suddenly I'm aware of this woman who is um, late 50s, early 60s, standing in front of me while I'm going, fuck bastard, with a, with a bowl of sugar and a cup of tea. And she looked at me and said, do you take sugar? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Today I do. I take a lot of sugar, please. <laughs> 17. I've lost a lot of blood. So... Uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> so this woman got chatting to her, ch chatting to her husband, and this is the woman who said, "We live in Devon. We've got lots of people we know who live in Devon. You've got lots of places now to stay in Devon." And she's followed me all the way around. She's paid for campsites for me. She's been fantastic. This lovely, lovely woman. So, uh, so anyway, I had all these tick bites. Thought nothing of it because obviously nobody gets Lyme disease. Uh, <laughs> about four months later. I developed agoraphobia uh, and dizzy spells and flu-like symptoms. And I just attributed that to my um, my mental health. I just thought, fuck, this is great. You know, I thought, <clears throat> you know, I just thought, you know, with, with, with this condition, there's with borderline personality disorder, there are a lot of symptoms. There is dissociation, but there's there's fear of abandonment, which is a problem for me. I, I, I don't like rejection. And as soon as it happens now, if somebody appears to be rejecting me, I immediately know that the the, the reaction in my head is bugger all to do with them. It's more to do with this condition. Anyway, so I have that. <clears throat> um I I also see and hear things that aren't there. Um, the 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 latest things that I I saw were, are you familiar with trilobites? They were the first things that came out of the sea. Yeah, yeah, uh, you in, get them in, in fossils times. and stuff. I was sitting in Ella's uh, living room, and uh, ten or twelve just trundled by, and there's part of me who thinks. Look, come on, brain, you can really try harder. I, I'm not buying that. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, you know, I've got these, I, I can hear murmuring at the back of my head. I, I, it's, it's very rarely words, uh, but it, it, I, I hear mumbling uh, when, when there's, there's nobody there. So uh, to, to be experiencing agoraphobia, I just thought, fuck, here's another thing. Um, I went to see a... <laughs> Ella's brilliant. <laughs> so she's she's right on the phone. So she 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 gets in touch with the, the local GP. Says that this guy's coming to see you. He's got dizzy spells. He's all over the place. Um, and, and and at the time I had no notion of Lyme's disease. That was so far up my head. The the tick bites. You know, didn't care. <clears throat> and and this GP saw me and I I told him about my mental health problems and I told him about all the symptoms. I said, so when I stand up and I close my eyes, I fall over. And this this genius of a GP suddenly realised why this particular GP was in the outback of Scotland. He 
he decided and told me, he said, you're a spotter, aren't you? I don't know if you've ever heard of a spotter. Well, what is that? But a, a spotter is, a, is the equivalent of a, a secret shopper for a GP. He said, so you, you're, you're a spotter, aren't you? I go, no, no, I'm not. I have these symptoms and I would really like something. I'd like some assessment. Uh, he said, well, I can't see anything wrong with you. And I said, well, I, one, I don't have agoraphobia, <laughs> ordinarily. Two, I don't normally fall over uh, when, I, when I close my eyes. Uh, and and my, my joints are aching. So well, I can't see there's anything wrong with you. And as I'm walking away, he says, um, remember, don't forget to write a really good report about me because I was very thorough. <laughs> you're nuts. What? I thought I was nuts. You're, you're, you're nuttier than I am. So <clears throat> Ella, God lover, comes to the rescue again. Drives 80 million miles to be with me up in uh, the, the, the west coast of Scotland somewhere, uh, picks me up, drives me back uh, to darkest Warwickshire. And uh, so I, I've got all these ailments and I'm thinking, God, I feel really shit and a crushing headache. And I had this huge rash on my back, which I thought was a rucksack rash, but it turned out to be a rash caused by uh, Lyme's disease. Um while I was down here, I thought, well, what I could use my time, but I could just put my tent up in Ella's garden and leave it to air because it starts smelling of dead dogs. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so left outside for a couple of days, went out to, well, tried to go out, and the agoraphobia had got far, far worse. And I, I said to Ella, I, um, I can't go out. Uh and she said, oh, <laughs> we need to get you to the doctor, don't we? I said, I think we do. <clears throat> By this time, the coin was beginning to drop <clears throat> that I might have Lyme disease. Mm. You know, I'd been bitten by a godzillion ticks. You know, the, the chances were that this was the case. And the GPs at, at the practice who had never seen Lyme disease... Uh, had me whisked away to Coventry Hospital, and before I knew it, I was being pumped full of uh, antibiotics, and gradually, you know, things got better. I, I still have strange joints after, after, and and there's some notion that it can come back and haunt you. But, oh God! Uh, but I'm pretty much uh, cured. But one of the things, what the GP said, who, who was perhaps. Uh, a little unguarded with what he said. As, as I was walking out uh, of his practice, he said, listen, don't worry, not many people die of Lyme's disease these days. <laughs> now, obviously, that, that, that put my mind immediately at rest. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just think the world's there to sort of entertain me, and he, he just provided this, this, this great level of entertainment. So, <clears throat> so Lyme's disease it was, took months to get get rid of <clears throat> and then gradually I had to get back on the road and uh, and I so I did and so so what was initially going to take two years you know is is I started in 2011 um the the the, the Lyme's disease rocked me I've got to say um and I've I've had uh, a couple of rocky mental health years 
the end of last year was was particularly difficult for me and but but now i'm i'm in sunny ilmington in as i say darkest warwickshire and i'm i'm getting fitter and lighter uh, so i'm i'm walking around the village uh, I, i'm currently walking five miles a day uh, every other day i'm walking 10 miles and that's going to build up to 15 miles a day uh, and come the summertime uh, i'm going to her <laughs> Things just keep on happening. There's another thing that I've just thought of is a friend of mine. Um, I imagine you have lots of friends like this. A friend of mine has just bought a, commu- a community centre. Of course. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> and she said, uh, I said, well, what I want to do is I want to have an event before I go and, and walk again. And I, I want to start thinking about what is walk a mile in my shoes? What What is it? Is it just me and Ella coming to my rescue or so, and some sundry others. So, you know, to be fair, Lou's come to my rescue more than once. Um, is it, is it that, or is it something that needs a, a better infrastructure? Is it something that could, that, that could have a podcast? Is it something that could have, you know, could formalize the, uh, the regular blog, you know, maybe people would be willing to pay for it. Is it something that, that, you know, it's it, it's costly. Say when when I have to come off the road, um, you know, when I have to go back and you have to get Ben breakfast and stuff. You know, even though most of it is free, you know, because people are fabulous, there are costly bits within that. So do we do we make it into a charity? So what my cunning plan is is to go back to the 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 town of my birth. Uh, Corby in Northamptonshire, that's where this uh, community centre is, and have a a relaunch. And a friend of mine said, "No, it's not. It's not a relaunch. It's Walk a Mile rebooted. That's what I did." I, oh, yeah, said you're a genius. Beautiful. So, that's brilliant. So what I want to do is have a one-stroke two-day event uh, where people who I've stayed with. Some people I've stayed with can come down. Um, some uh, and some local people can get involved. Um, yeah, you know, I'd like professionals, uh, psychiatrists, nurses, GPs, people from the uh, care commissioning groups. I want carers. I want I want people with mental health problems. I want people from the Department of Work and Pensions. You know, I'd like to get as many different people from as many different avenues uh, talking to each other, <clears throat> sharing their stories, um, because it can't be easy for anybody. I mean, I know the people with mental health problems think that the, the Department of Work, Work and Pensions, they're a bunch of bastards. And to be fair, anybody who can sanction somebody, anybody who can cut somebody's benefits for three weeks, anything up to three years, I think they, they need to take an empathy pill. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, these are the people that we need talking to each other, and that's what I would like to, at this rebooting event. So I'd like to formalise it, and, and so I'm safer, and perhaps more people are talking, more people are sharing, uh, and, and make it... And begin to make it bigger 
uh, you know, um, and arranging more talks. You know, I've talked in, in schools, I've talked at universities, uh, I've, I've talked for voluntary groups, I've talked to just anybody, a uh, Rotary Club. Uh, uh, I've, I, I did a thing in, in conjunction with a theatre in Corby <clears throat> where I took people for a walk and we imagined that it was Scotland. And that was a, a hoot. That was an absolute hoot. And just getting people to imagine, you know, these, these, these scrapes that I got my, get myself into and, and just the, the, the different approaches and uh, uh, that, that people have and uh, the, the different discussions that I have with folk. And I just like it to be bigger yeah. uh, and not just me, because it really is about the people I meet and their stories as well. Uh, I've done a lot, on, uh, quite a bit on the radio as well. Uh, you know, but again, that needs expanding, I think. Uh, and obviously, you know, we we need to get, get the, the, the film out there. Um, I think <clears throat> Johanna's at the stage of, just one last shot, just one more shot, just, just <laughs> one more. And then, uh, so, but, you know, she's been doing that on, you know, on a shoestring. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great quality, but, um, you know, she, it's her life. Uh, and it would be good to have a cushion for that as well, you yeah. know, for, for, to help with approaching film festivals, because that's the way it will go. We'll approach film festivals and then from there, hopefully somebody will pick it up. It's going to be an 80 minute long film. And, and from there, hopefully something will pick it up. So there's a, there's a lot of strands to this. Uh, and, and that's, that's where I'd like to start getting people to think, getting people to maybe contribute more round round about uh, summertime. And then, you know, off the back of that, I'll bugger off back to North Wales and, and go back to, to, talking to to folk uh you know like i say anybody and everybody that's amazing um wow i just i mean like the, the just the sheer scope of the stories you can you can say on this it's just that's incredible in itself and when you come to doing the rebooted look yeah. you you need free free publicity hey we're here <laughs> i say we'll do it for you that's do you, do you ever do you ever do that broadcast sorry do you ever do an outside broadcast? I've never done an outside broadcast. I can give it a go. <laughs> just, just you, should you ever feel the urge to... To join yeah. you on your travels for a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's just just, uh, put, just putting it out there. But, yeah, uh, hey, I'm up for that. I'm up for that. <laughs> Panic Stations UK on the road. I love it. Yeah. I'm up imagine? for that. I'm up for that. Yeah, yeah it's, it, 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 you know, it, the, the whole thing is... To, it's... It's it's very gentle. It's it's you know when I'm walking, it's not very intense because, you know the the space between towns is, uh, it, it, you know it's got quite a lot of miles between towns. So, you know it's it's a lot of talking to me, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, but no. also just experience, <laughs> experiencing the countryside and just, I mean that's that that is the thing. And you talk about mental health and walking. You know it's very easy to become a, an absolute tree hugger. And um, I remember when when I was particularly bad, and and this has been on the road and off the road, but but thinking, you know, a tree knows how to be a tree, you know, grass knows how to be grass, ants know how to be ants, and there are times when I don't know how to be me, and and that's 
that becomes glaring at times when, I, when I'm feeling bad uh, and that makes it very difficult. So the walk is very good for me, but it can also be a challenge for me as well. It can, it can be a, a, a difficult thing too. And scene. Sorry, guys, I'm going to have to cut it short yet again. But how fascinating was that? Really, really interesting stuff. And if uh, if anything you take away from here uh, today after listening to this episode is, blimey, Lyme's disease is a terrifying thing to think that you've got. Um, what a brave guy. Just Chris just keeps on giving. This interview is fantastic. I absolutely love it. I know there have been a number of people coming up to me saying, Chris, are you going to get that Chris Young back again? With luck. With luck. So... Next week, we'll have the very final part of the Chris Young interview, uh, and it will be on time as regularly regularly scheduled. I'll put my teeth back in. That might help. It'll be regularly scheduled, uh, and it will be back in, so uh, we'll have the third part. Okay, so that's something to look forward to. It's a great ending. And again, um, yeah, please go back to the other uh, episode, the previous episode, re-listen to what we've done so far, come to here, and then, you know, get, get ready for the third part next week. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, so thank you. Yet again, Panic Station salutes Mr. Chris Young uh, for his untold boundless knowledge and fascinating subject matter. Now, I was also contacted by a gentleman who has been writing some books, a number of books, uh, about his... Uh, issues with mental health and I will be having a uh, an interview with him very very soon more on that next week's episode I'll disclose a bit more about that because there's a number of things going on another thing that's coming up as well for the future of Panic Stations UK recently there's uh, there's been a bit of a debate about cannabis uh, about the pros and cons of it um, I have my own personal issues on it which I will share uh, in a later episode um, it's uh, the pros and cons and you know how it affects people does it affect people um, with mental health issues are they mental health issues that were previously there and it's been enhanced by cannabis um, consumption or has it been something that's been triggered by cannabis consumption a very interesting debate and it's a very polarizing uh, debate you have uh, it's it there doesn't seem to be a middle ground it's quite interesting you either seem to be dead against it or uh totally for it it's really interesting and i've been reading uh, a lot of people's responses on a lot of uh, mental health websites uh, regarding the matter so i thought you know what we need to do? We need to bring the debate to Panic Stations UK. So, this is what I'm going to do. We are uh, we are going to have a Panic Stations UK uh, great cannabis debate, and we're going to be discussing the the issues and how it affects mental health or how it doesn't affect mental health. Um, maybe stigmas against it. Maybe stigmas uh, that aren't um portrayed and they should be um so i'm inviting you the panic stations uk listeners to please come along and either get involved with the show it's going to be a a, a big special um come along get involved either by sending an email so if it's something you want it read on the show or even come on to the show and we can get in contact with you while we're talking and everything else and we can see what we're doing um because at the end of the day it's a, it's a very, very important issue. And uh, 
there's a lot of people a bit nervous about doing it as well because people are like, oh, the criminality and everything else. No, 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 we're not advocating uh, drug dealing or anything like that on Panic Stations UK. Far, far from it. What we're trying to do is have a debate about the uh, the impact or the stereotypes, the stigmas, the impact or the non-impact. Um, you know, we're just discussing the subject. We're not basically pro cannabis we're not anti-cannabis it's just discussing the subject so please get involved i know there are a lot of people would have a, a lot of trepidations coming forward going yes i smoke cannabis and i do this this and this um because obviously almost outing yourself because remember people it is illegal so um what i am offering people okay uh, is a chance to basically anonymously get involved with the show um because that's fine I don't want people coming in saying I supply or any of that kind of rubbish. I don't want any of that. But if there's anybody out there who either recreationally uses it or doesn't recre uh, recreationally use it or have had a past with it or haven't, please come on the show. We'll discuss the whole situation because it'll be very, very interesting. So to get involved with the Great Cannabis Debate, and uh, I will have further dates to come on that, get in contact via PanicStationsUK at yahoo.co.uk. That's panicstationsuk at yahoo.co.uk. So join us next week and we'll have the lovely Chris Young finishing off the rest of his interview. Until then, take care and uh, remember, you are not alone. Shaking hands clenched in a soldier's heart I know where you've been I know where you've been You're not alone in this swirling world You have my hand You have my hand
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.